0: Entrepreneurs on the brew. You are now listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast with your host Adam McChesney. Let's grow.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Adam McChesney, and I want to thank you for being here. It's actually the first episode that I'm doing post. Being a father. So, super excited about this one. Super excited about my guest today. And if you're listening, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We would love for you to share this on social media by tagging me and our guests, and this way we can get this incredible content out to more people. Today's guest and I just got connected for the first time a few months ago through an online community called Connected Leaders Academy. We were chatting over Zoom a few months ago, and we were chatting back and forth and just realized how many times we could have potentially ran into each other just to me living in Columbia, and that's where he currently lives and being in a lot of the same circles. He's an incredibly bright mind, one of the brightest minds I've met, and he's accomplished so much in a short period of time, dating all the way back to when he was in college. And we'll kind of get into some of that here in a little bit. But my guest today is Daniel Burke Aguero. is an executive coach, speaker, author, ultra marathon athlete, leader, trainer, father, husband, and much more, which we'll find out today. Daniel, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. That intro was so good. It's almost like I helped you write it. You did help me write it. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that
1: you did because you do so much. And I know we had a chance to chat a couple months ago and uh, just really, really loved your energy. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. when you meet all these people online. It's not that, you know, you you don't enjoy it because it's always good to get connected with people. But when you have the same energy, when, you ha- when you're when you going through a lot of the same things, and I know we were talking about me becoming a father and, and some of the stuff you had uh, passed on to me as advice, it's just really good to connect with those types of people that understand, you know, even we were chatting before this, of the fatigue of of less sleep and things like that as a high-level entrepreneur, performer, things like that. So, oh, yeah. Appreciate you coming on today, man. And if you wouldn't mind just kind of getting the audience started, telling everybody a little bit about who you are, um, where you come from, and, and a little bit about what you do.
0: Yeah, sweet. So super short version. Um, I think at the core of who I am, what I do, what I love doing, I'm a coach. Um, I think that is my primary function in life mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to like this business, business world. Um, I get to partner with high-level entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, and help them see the forest through the trees, right? Um, I had it explained one time that I get to help develop people, who develop companies, who develop communities, and that's ultimately how we change the world. Mm. So um, I've been in in different facets, and we can we can talk about different things and stuff. But um, I've been in sales, sales leadership, in different forms, essentially my entire uh, working uh, career, my entire adult life, right? Mm. Uh, and I love it, man. It's always been uh, a blessing. It's always been a challenge. There's been ups, there's been downs, there's been success, there's been failure, there's been rebuilding, there's been triumphs. But, um, yeah, I just think ultimately where, where I land in life is I'm at my best when I'm in service to other people. Mm. Uh, and when I have autonomy to, uh, you know, to sink or swim,
1: (laughs) I love that sink or swim analogy and and autonomy is huge. I think one of the, the things that I thought was just fascinating um, about your background was what you had talked to me and, and I kind of knew about um, just, you know, from knowing a little bit about your LinkedIn and seeing some of that stuff of... When you got started in door-to-door sales, and I think a lot of people start out, obviously, a lot of entrepreneurs, I would say, start Mm -hmm. out in some sort of sales role. And, um, you know, entrepreneurship is, whether you've been in sales or not, it's selling something every single day in in one way or another. So talk to us a little bit about, like, what got you started there and some of the things that you went through and, and how you were able to position yourself for the future, dating all the way back to when most people don't have jobs or not really making money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just wild, right? Thinking back through the the mutual overlap of people and places and time. Right. <laughs> so, um, so when I was um, like a lot of people, I, th- I think I got my start in sales. Uh, you know, I could say as a kid selling candy bars and popcorn. Right. But um, my, my real true exposure, uh, what you're, you're alluding to, uh, I was 18 years old. I was a freshman at the university of Missouri. Uh, I was selected for the oldest summer internship in the United States with the oldest direct sales company, in the country southwestern advantage uh and yeah as an 18 year old kid i moved uh, about 1200 miles from home to a place i'd never been before and i sold essentially modern day encyclopedias door-to-door 85 hours a week straight commission the whole summer mm. and uh it was wild uh yeah knocking on doors selling books and this was this was 2009 so we're not even talking about like like you know i'm selling books yeah you know? <laughs> and um yeah, it was wild. Um, I ended up doing pretty well, uh, well enough that I actually ended up coming back for six summers. Uh, ended up fully paying my way through school, doing that, recruiting, trading, leading teams. Uh, ended up meeting my wife through that, Alicia, right? And uh, uh, yeah, I ended up knocking on over 25,000 doors before I was 24. And so, mm. um, yeah, I, I think when... It doesn't matter what you do, but when you're placed in a situation, and for me, it was as a as a young adult, when you're placed in a situation that allows you to um, test your discipline, your your drive, your your um, your focus, your grit on a daily basis. And I think obviously you can relate to that, you know, from like the sports side of it, right mm-hmm. um, is like, it just, it reveals so much about what's inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, again, I, looking back on it, I didn't realize the impact it would have had on the entire trajectory of the rest of my life. When as an 18 year old kid, I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's been a lot of fun.
1: That's amazing, and what were some of the key like things? I know a lot of people have been in door to door sales in some sort of facet, but like what were some of the key things? I'm sure there was a lot of profound lessons that you learned, but like what are some of the key things and takeaways that you had from that experience specifically over six years?
0: yeah, um I think the if if I was to distill it down to two or three you know key principles or key thoughts, I think one is just the power of focus. Ultimately, the power of having, you know, something in front of you to work towards, but also recognizing where you're at in the moment. And, you know, it's interesting looking back over my six summers, um, there were some summers where I was at the top of the leaderboard and some summers where I, I did well, but I, you know, wasn't at the bottom, but I also wasn't at the top. Mm-hmm. Um And and looking back on those, you could almost see what was going on in my life, because some summers, I had a very clear vision for the future that I valued, I was connected in my purpose to the present. Um, And there were some summers where I was maybe a little more aimless in my, uh, in my focus, right. And obviously, the results came, uh, came from that. But you can then trace that, I think, through every other thing I've done in my life is that when I, uh, and I think this is true for any entrepreneur, when we have a clear vision that we value. Right, that that value connecting our purpose to the present actually allows us to shape our decision making process when it's maybe sometimes hard to do. Mm. Um, so I think that'd be the first principle. Um, I think the uh, second principle uh, that again it's just it's a constantly evolving thing, but I, I really dug into the concept of self talk. You know, essentially what we say to ourselves about ourselves that our mind, if left unchecked, right. Uh, can either be our our greatest asset or our, our greatest enemy, right? That we can consciously choose to feed ourselves and reprogram maybe some subconscious patterns. Um, and yeah, I think that was something that I I think actually I evolved in over my time and I've really grown a lot in even since then is that I think for a long time, I thought um, positive self-talk or, or focusing on the right things was... Um, Uh, was, was like positive puking almost (laughs) is what we used to call it. Right. It's like, it's all sunshine and rainbows. Oh boy. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, but, and, and, you know, I, I did that actually for, I think like my first two, maybe even three summers, I just tried to force my way into positive thinking, right. It's easier to act your way into positive thinking than it is to think your way into positive acting. I heard that quote from Rory Vaden once, but I think over time I've, I've come to realize it. And I think some of this comes with just maturity is just recognizing that, um, true positive self-talk isn't pretending like there aren't problems. It's, it's accepting things as they are having a vision that you value enough that you want to fight for it. And then Mm. choosing the step that leads us towards that instead of unconsciously choosing the steps that lead us farther away from it.
1: Mm. I there, there's a lot to take away from there and I think one of the things that I kind of heard and, and kind of reiterated was that focus and I yeah. think especially you know it's something that I try to really really harp on but I even struggle with at times especially in today's society where you're as an entrepreneur you're trying to, to juggle all these different plates there's social media there's the phone there's emails that are literally nonstop. stop what are some you know, hacks or tips that you have to just like on a daily basis, you're looking at your calendar and you're like, all right, this 30 minutes is blocked off here, this hour here. Like what, what would you recommend to somebody that's like, man, I need to be hyper focused for the next 90 days?
0: Yeah. Well, I I think you even just said it uh, without even meaning to, to say it is you said the word calendar (laughs) right now, again, it doesn't have to be a outlook calendar or a you know pen and paper, but you know, there's, there's that phrase, you know, if you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I think there's layers to all of this. Right. But, you know, I I think I've been privileged to over the last five years now work with a, uh, a little over a hundred different executives and business owners from all sorts of different backgrounds and facets. And, and, and you can actually see very clearly amongst people who are not just successful, but continuing to grow. Mm -hmm versus people who are maybe successful but stagnant right if we're not growing we're dying there's another thought in there too but um the the people who are consciously growing is they're they're really cognizant about how they're utilizing their time Hmm. and so focus scheduling it it looks different for everybody there are some clients and and I think I lean on this side of it I'm like a color code plan the whole week out minute by minute as best I can on a Sunday sit down for an hour like that's that's my happy place. I love a color-coded Excel spreadsheet, baby. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But, um, but some, some clients and some people, they, they, they crumble at the idea of that level of structure. Mm. And so for somebody like that, like maybe like a Pomodoro timer, right? Of saying like, hey, for today, what are my top two or three things? That's it. What are my top two or three things that need to get done? Mm. What are my one or two windows that I can block off an hour? And then can I use just like a visual timer to give myself that representation of, Hey, I've only got 45 minutes left. Got my little guy right here. Mm. Right. So you, you just turn it and it starts ticking. Right. Love it. Love it. Again. Yeah. Different strokes for different folks.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's, it's finding what works best for you. Um, but yeah. I think you got to figure out um, what you're going to commit to and then yeah. continue to push forward with, I think is, is obviously super important. Um, so kind of want to dig into to your journey, I think, overall as a whole. I know, obviously, we kind of talked about some of the door-to-door stuff early on, um, getting to into, you know, working for somebody else and then the, kind of where you're at today. Because I know we kind of talked about that briefly. And yeah. it's, it's coming back to me some where you were, you know, working and then you guys were getting ready to start having a family and you were kind of trying to figure out what was most important. So talk to us mm-hmm. and kind of take us from that door-to-door experience to where you went after that and kind of where you're at today.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, six years, uh, with Southwestern family companies selling books, door to door, recruiting college kids to do it the same building organizations, having a lot of fun doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then I left, um, I went and did some service work. I actually lived in, uh, Mexico, in Puerto Vallarta, taught uh, middle school band and orchestra for a couple months. Uh, it was like just some fun service work, but, uh, yeah. Then when I, I moved back to the States, um, I spent, Almost the next three and a half, almost four years in total, um, in in a couple different roles uh, in business development, and then uh, working with one of the largest VA lenders in the country, and and building and being a loan officer. You know that that aspect of life. It was really interesting. I think this is what what you're referencing is. I got to this point where, on paper, I had everything that I'd ever wanted like as a kid, my version of success, I was, I was living it. Right. I had, we had a house. We didn't have a white picket fence. It was chain link, but Hey, right. We got the house. We got the two dogs, golden doodles. Right. Like I've got this, this job at this really, we'll call it a sexy employer. Right. Like everybody's like, wow, that's the job to have if if you're there. And, and, and yet, right. I have all this success Um, I I was, I felt kind of empty inside because I think I was living in this state of constant anxiety. I was living in this place of feeling like a cog in a machine. Mm. Um, I was living in this place of, of feeling like I didn't have a lot of autonomy and hindsight's 2020, right? I will always say that, right. Is that if I was put back in that situation today, could I have treated it differently, done it differently? Absolutely. Right. But, but at the time I just, I, I felt kind of stuck. Now, uh, simultaneously to that, uh, my wife and I are, are we're trying to get pregnant. We're we're talking about having kids. Um, we went through a couple miscarriages. We've we've kind of had a journey in itself. Um, and one day we get the the green light, right? That hey, I think this one's this one should make it, right? Jonah is is our son now. He's he's four and a half, um, and. I started thinking through, I started asking everybody at, at where I was, was working like, Hey, what does, what does paternity leave look like? Right. Because I think back to what we talked about earlier is, is having a clear vision that you value, right? Mm -hmm. Like understanding what you want, what not, what other people want. Um, I wanted what I envisioned was a season where I was able to support my wife and be present and be there for this literally once in a lifetime experience. And the just the constant narrative, the feedback I was getting from everybody else was, hey, um, yeah, after my kids were born, I was back in the office the same day. I was back in the office two days later. Right. I was back in the office at the end of that week. I took a lot of time off and I was back in the office that next Monday. And I, I again, like I get it. Right. Like I get it. We all have lives. We all have to like sometimes we're in situations where we have to do those hard things. But. I just, I took a step back and I asked myself like, is that the kind of life I want?
1: Mm.
0: And I think ultimately I realized like, no, it's not, I don't, I don't know what I want. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know, but, but I know that I have about seven months now to figure this out. Because I'd rather be broke and be at home and and be here for my wife and my kids than to continue to live like a cognitive machine, stuck um, and and you know just living in that place of of uh, I don't want to say hopelessness, but that's I think probably how I felt at the time. Right? Mm. Um, so back to selling books uh, in two thousand. Nine as a freshman I uh my first summer I lived with this guy named Anthony Merkel and uh yeah if if somebody ever came to Columbia College to talk to you about selling books it might have been me and it might have been Anthony at one point right but um yeah I, I lived with Anthony and he's a good dude he's one of my best friends he was in our wedding and um He and one of my other best friends, Will, had both actually ended up at a place called Southwestern Consulting, Southwestern Coaching, right? Um, And I'd seen their journey over the last couple of years, right? I'd seen what their life looked like, what they were doing, and and it looked cool. Um, But I don't know. It always felt like their thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but Anthony did such a good job. And I always I always reference this story when, when I talk to leaders about building, right? About planting seeds with the right people and leading, leaving the door open is Anthony did such a good job leaving the door open for me for years. He never tried to hard recruit me and say, oh, you should leave and come here. But he was just like, man, you got your thing and it's good. But if you ever, ever are even like a slight percent interested in this, I think you'd crush it. And it'd be really fun to get the band back together, right? And so he was one of my first calls. You know, I called Anthony because I just, I respected the heck out of him. I, From what I knew about what he did, I I respected, you know, at least on paper, it seemed like a cool thing. I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. But, you know, I was like, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, yeah, lo and behold, uh, about 30 days later, uh, I cashed everything in and started back at zero you know, with the kid on the way, um, cashed in our 401k, drained the bank account, said, let's figure this thing out. And I went back to self-employed world and Mm. I've been there ever since.
1: Man, that's an incredible journey for a variety of different reasons. But I think, um, you know, obviously going through a similar transition, like I, um, I, I understood a lot of it, obviously at different areas of, of a transition, but the, the sense of, of the purpose and yeah. the value of like, man, no, I really, really want to to be there for, as you mentioned, this once in a lifetime season, this once in a lifetime experience. And I think so many people, you know, I was even hearing people when I was having conversations, entrepreneurs, people that that worked in other places, they were like, hey, what do you have in terms of your paternity you know leave plans I'm like well I'm probably going to take you know at least two weeks off and then do a bunch of stuff from home and then just kind of be there and people are like man I was in I was in the office later that day that like a lot of the same things that you were hearing and I was just like man I can't imagine that and I'm not perfect would I do things differently next of course like I learned a lot throughout the process but just to be able to say hey I made that decision and somebody else didn't make it for me. I think that also kind of plays into just understanding where my values are at and what's most important to me.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, man. And I, again, it, it's you know, I I'll always put kind of the caveat on that, right? Is um man, what a what a what a privilege that we get to make those decisions, yes. right? That we have been exposed to the right people and networks and that we believe in ourselves enough to, and like, there's, there's all these layers to where like, I, I get it. This isn't for everybody, Mm -hmm. right? Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Cashing it all in and Mm -hmm. keeping your fingers crossed is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. I get it. But man, what, what a privilege and and how grateful I am to be able to look back and say, like you said, that was my decision. Mm -hmm. I made the decision. I will reap the consequences. I will sink or
1: swim. Yep. Do or die, do or die. Love it. So taking a look at the entire journey, we've talked about a variety of different things. If you had to pinpoint one lesson that you could extract from everything and, and go pass that on to somebody that's an entrepreneur, whether they're, get, they're getting started or they've been you know doing this for a very long time that you're like, hey, if you can do this thing and take this lesson and go implement it, what would that one lesson be?
0: So I'm going to do a shameless plug for my TED talk because <laughs> I talked about this in it, but um, yeah, you can search for it. Um, I, I think the, the one thing, and I I've seen this uh, both play out. And then also because I didn't do this consequences happen. Mm-hmm. I've seen both sides of this happen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the way that I always try to unpack this. And also I I will say this is also, I think gleaned from my journey, but then also working directly with so many high level leaders and hearing their stories over and over. And again, I, I'm sure you can feel the same way about this, but I, I think the most successful people um, in any aspect of life in any arena, um, they, they connect their purpose to the present. Hmm. And again, there's, there's, there's so much in that, but I think when, when we take the time to figure out for ourselves what our version of success looks like, not somebody else's. Mm-hmm. But when when we can figure out our value system and what success looks like and what maybe this season of success, what that long-term vision of success, what like the clearer we can figure out on what we want, the more likely we will be to take steps towards that. Mm-hmm. And then if success is just the compounding effect of the daily decisions we make, either leading us closer to or further from our version of success, then my argument is that it's actually that connection to our version of what we want that drives those daily decisions. Mm. And so there've been so many seasons in my life where I didn't really have a clearly defined like vision purpose. I I was just showing up and, and the results kind of reflected Mm -hmm. sometimes those results were good, Mm. but, but I know they could have been better. Mm -hmm. There've been other seasons in my life where I figured out exactly what success looked like. And, I lived into that purpose every single day, every single moment. And I, I would say again, between the two, if I had to choose, the times when I am connected to my in my purpose to the present are the times when I am most alive, or the times when I am, you know, most fulfilled. Are the times that, regardless of the results, they most of the time they happen. Mm. But it's just life's more fun, man. You know, <laughs> when you are living on purpose.
1: Yep, it is. No, I love that lesson. Very well thought out. And, uh, you know, definitely hit some key points for me that I need to think about as well. And just as I think it's an ever evolving thing. You talk about purpose and the presence and, and a lot of good takeaways there. So as we kind of wrap up the episode today, Daniel, one, I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been phenomenal. But talk to us a little bit about you know, obviously we know where you've been, where you've been, where you, uh, have been coming to and where you're at right now, but talk to us about some of the things you have going on for the future and what you're super excited about coming down the pipeline.
0: Boy, there's, there's some stuff going down right now, <laughs> live right now, real time. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I think, um, we're, I find myself at a really interesting crossroads, right? So for the last five years, I've Um, I took a step back and I've, I've essentially been working in a consulting and coaching capacity, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's been awesome. It's been so fun. I've been building this business. I've been helping other people do the same. I've, you know, been a a team leader and all this stuff. But, um, recently there's been a couple opportunities that have presented themselves as maybe actually getting a chance to get back on the field. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, what's to come? I don't really know i think i need to work on clarifying my version of success <laughs> and connecting in the present to that because uh yeah there's some big decisions ahead but i think the the, the ones i can share for now um i started authoring um well, I, I guess technically now i'm a published author but starting uh, authoring my first official all mine book mm-hmm. so that's cool um yeah just speaking a lot more it's been a lot of fun but my i, I guess my vision on that side of it is uh, to be fully retired by 40. So I've got six and a half years to do it. And um, yeah, I, I just think when I think of the word retirement, I don't think of like exiting the game or getting taken out, mm-hmm. right? But rather just being in a place where where we're full, fully work optional. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm still going to work because I like working and I like helping people, and I like impacting people. But um, I've just been having a lot of conversations lately about what it would take to get there. Mm-hmm and the kind of impact I could have, uh, on the world if my time wasn't tied to dollars. Sure. You know?
1: Yeah. No, that's powerful. Yeah. And Rich's I have no doubt you'll get there. the service <laughs> and
0: that's it. You know.
1: That's amazing, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, excited to continue watching your journey and, continue to supporting you in any, any way that I can, man. So thank you so much for coming on the episode today. Where can people stay connected with you online, whether that's a combination of social websites, all that good stuff.
0: I think social is probably just the easiest way, you know, direct people to one, uh, it'd either be LinkedIn. I'm the only Daniel Burke Aguero in the known (laughs) universe. (laughs) So you'll find me, Mm -hmm. right. Um, or Instagram again, D Burke Aguero, you know, it's pretty easy, but Yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm there. Come find me. Let's hang
1: out. Awesome. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. And again, thanks, Daniel, so much for coming on. I had a great time. Always great chatting with you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. See ya. And I want to thank you again to the audience for tuning into today's episode. Please be sure, as always, to subscribe, download, and share our content. Leaving a five-star review goes a long way. We'll see you all next week. And remember, entrepreneurs aren't born, they are brewed.
0: I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are born to prove. Thank you for
1: listening to Entrepreneur Podcast with your host Adam McChesney.